0: pittsburgh steeler fans welcome back to another episode of west ride i'm your host jeff Hartman, senior editor at behind the steel with you for this friday episode This is a big one, not just because the Steelers play on Sunday when they host the Las Vegas Raiders at Heinz Field. Their home opener, first time with fans since 2019. Get ready to hear that about 2,000 more times between now and kickoff. And I believe Ian Eagle is doing the game on Sunday for CBS. Therefore, we will hear this literally every five seconds like we did last Sunday when they went to Buffalo. And we were constantly reminded that, yes, there were no fans, no sellouts in 2020 as if we needed that reminder nonetheless as always this show is brought to you by behind the steel make sure that's your one-stop shop for all things pittsburgh steelers on top of that wherever you get your podcast if you're listening to this on the megaphone app or not not the Megaphone app but on the megaphone player in an article on behind the steel curtain.com go to wherever you find podcasts it can be itunes apple podcast google play stitcher anchor pandora spotify it does not matter Follow, subscribe, do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. That's not just my Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. That's the live mic with Michael Beck on Tuesday. That is the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield. Had a great show yesterday on Thursday. And also our all-new, brand-new, noon new lineup that started at the beginning of this season. We're talking about shows like Maddie Peveril's War Room, On the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. We're talking about what Ian's talking about on Friday, which is a hysterical show, by the way. Make sure you give that one a try. Really, really funny. The Steelers Power Half Hour, and of course, the Fantasy Football Fix with Jeremy Betts. Check them all out. They're only on our audio podcast platform. We also do shows every evening, Monday through Saturday, and then Sundays typically is our post-game show that are live on YouTube as well as simulcast on Facebook Live. You go to YouTube. Search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe to our channel, we appreciate it. Or, if you're on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, to search Behind the Steel Curtain. We have over 100,000 followers on Facebook. Make sure you check us out so you can watch the shows live. If not, they will be on our audio platform as well. Alright, but you know what, enough about the podcast stuff, enough about the website. Everyone wants to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers The Raiders, Steelers, Raiders, that's such a legendary matchup. It just brings back so many memories, and not all of them are good. For me, I, I, there's memories of Bruce Gradkowski at Heinz Field pulling off the upset. It's the Terrell Pryor 95-yard run on first down in Oakland. Uh, just some horrible memories. Uh, who can forget the last time these two teams played in Oakland when that was the Ben Roethlisberger 1950 X-ray machine where they had to take him seemingly in a helicopter and fly him to another facility? But that's neither here nor there. This is a whole new team, a whole new dynamic, both for the Raiders and the Steelers. We're not talking about the 70s. We're not talking about the Immaculate Reception. We're not talking about icing down Three River Stadium turf to make the field slick. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about 2021, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Darren Waller, the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive weapons, the defense, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe for the Raiders and uh, Max Crosby with TJ Watt and... Melvin Ingram, this is a good matchup. I said this on Wednesday. If you listen to my podcast, I talked about how this game, Steelers-Raiders, is not going to be a game that fans can just say, oh, you know, this is a W. Now, I know that my buddy and the deputy, deputy editor at Behind the Steel Curtain, Michael Beck, he has been on this. The Steelers are going to win big bandwagon since Sunday when the Steelers beat the Buffalo Bills on the road 23-16. to if Michael was right, I would be ecstatic. I would be absolutely 100% out of my mind happy. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the Steelers are going to struggle again on offense, at least in the early goings. Maybe it's a, they're a little amped up with excitement. Maybe it's a situation where you're looking at the defense has to settle in. It doesn't matter. The question that everyone wants to know, and this is going to be my pregame podcast every single week is... What do the Steelers have to do to win? Like, What do they got to do to pull out the W? And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the first half, we're going to talk about offense, defense, three keys to victory for both sides of the field. And then we're going to do in the second half, that's right, Michael Beck will be joining me as he does every Friday, and we'll finish it up with a heart-to-heart. So don't go anywhere because you're not going to want to miss any of this. So let's start on offense, as we always do. The keys to victory for the offense, it starts with protecting Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers have to protect Ben Roethlisberger, and when I say that, I'm not just alluding to them not giving up sacks. Pressures and quarterback hits for a quarterback that's 39 years old going into season 18 are almost just as important as the actual sack itself. They need to keep people away from Ben Roethlisberger to give him the opportunities, to give him the time to actually drop back, set his feet, read the field, and deliver a good pass. There were times in Buffalo that did not happen. So that's number one for offense, protect Big Ben. Number two, pass to open the run. And this may sound counterintuitive. There's a lot of people that say you need to run to open up the pass. The Steelers did that in week one where they ran seemingly against a brick wall when they The Buffalo Bills at times were putting nine, even ten defenders in the box, and the Steelers continued to run the football with very little success, 54 total yards in the first half. It wasn't until the second half when the Buffalo Bills, and don't think that every defense the Steelers are going to play is not going to mimic the same defensive philosophy, and that is we're going to load the box, we're going to stop these little short passes, and we're going to dare you to beat us down the field. The Steelers are going to have to throw deep, Early, they're going to have to connect on a couple deep passes to soften up the defense, and then I think that's when the Steelers can run when they have a little bit of a lighter box defensively in front of them. So they might have to pass to open the run, and that may sound weird, but that's where the Steelers are right now offensively, especially with a young offensive line. The last key on offense is you have to win in key situations. I said this last last Friday leading up to the Buffalo game. I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it again based on the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers did not do it last week. You need to win in situations we're talking third downs and red zone. The Steelers, I believe, were 4-12 for on third down last week, 1-3 for in the red zone. That's just not good enough, and it's not just about the upcoming opponent in the Raiders. This is about just being a really good football team. If you want to be a good football team, you win. In those key situations, and that's not something the Steelers did in Week One. So maybe they can get that done in Week Two. So let's go over the offensive keys one more time before we go over to the defense. Offense at number one, protect Ben Roethlisberger. Number two, pass to open up the running game, and then three, win in those key situations. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. I, you can't put it any other way. You got to limit. You got to limit. Not stop. Limit. Waller, Darren Waller, the dynamic tight end who just seems to be on one of these crazy streaks right now with playing out of his mind waller's a player that you have to make sure that you always have him accounted for and the steelers are going to have to be creative on how to slow him down just like stefan Diggs last week You're never going to completely take them out of the game. When you have a player that is that talented, you just hope to slow them down. That's where Waller is at this stage. And the Steelers, with Keith Butler, Terrell Austin, Mike Tomlin, they are going to have to put together a really good plan to limit Waller's impact on the outcome of this game. This is a player who single-handedly can take over the game, and it's up to the Steelers' defense. I think they can do it. I really do think they can do it. I'm pretty sure that they're going to have to try to – Think of something unique that hasn't been done yet, but they have the players to limit Waller's impact on this game, but that's key number one. Let's go to number two. They have to get after De- uh, I'm sorry, I said David Carr. Derek Carr with four players. The Steelers only blitzed twice in Buffalo, and they harassed Josh Allen. They need to duplicate that in week two. There's going to be games where the Steelers will be more blitz heavy maybe against inexperienced quarterbacks, quarterbacks that haven't seen some of these exotic blitzes or blitzes that the Steelers like to use that other teams don't do very often. Carr's been around a while. He's seen a lot of it. The Steelers are going to have to get after Carr with four, not only just to give them help in the back end, but ultimately if they can win with four against an offensive line, like for instance when you look at TJ Watt and, and Leatherwood, if that matchup continues... You like TJ Watt's chances. I don't feel like TJ Watt, Melvin Ingram, or Alex Highsmith would need extra help to win that matchup. So get after a car with four, and that's that's the green light for the defense. That's the green light. That means if we only have to assign four players to rush the passer, or five at the most, that gives us all that help in the deep in the deep half. They'll got they've got it undercover. Last one, make them Pay. Make them pay. I I feel like Derek Carr is a quarterback who will take unnecessary risks, especially if they're struggling early. The Steelers are not necessarily known that they did lead last season. They led the NFL in interceptions. They have yet to get one this year. It's only been one game. They did have a turnover. That was a strip sack of Josh Allen, TJ Watt dislodging the ball, Cam Hayward recovering it. They need to make Derek Carr pay for the mistakes or the risks that he takes. If they can get that pressure with the front four, like I mentioned earlier, then absolutely they should be able to take the ball away. I think this is a game, especially if Josh Jacobs is limited or doesn't play, you limit their running game, you force them to throw to get back into it. If they can get a lead, that's when the Steelers defense can really pin their ears back and can get after Derek Carr. All right, so there you go. Defensive keys. Limit Waller's impact on the game. Get after Carr without blitzing and make them pay with turnovers. Win the turnover battle, and that's how you win the game. So those are my keys on offense and defense, how the Steelers need – what they need to do to beat the Raiders and to move their record to 2-0 and on the 2021 regular season. You might be looking at your clock saying, wow, he's going to a break already. Mr. Michael Beck and I have a lot to talk about. So we're going to get into that right after this break, and then stay tuned because after that, I'll be back with a heart to heart. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. <laughs> All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. Jeff Hartman here with, as always, every Friday in the second segment, Michael Beck joins us. Now, Michael, before we talk about anything else, I don't know if you listened to my podcast on Wednesday where I answered questions from the mailbag, but we had someone submit a question that was about your name. Now, I've constantly added to your name to make it sound even more ridiculous every single time. I think it now it's Coach Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark, and he said, what if you just called him Blue Check back? Oh. I'd have to throw Coach there. Coach Blue Check Beck. Which one do you like, Ben? I mean, that's got a pretty good ring to it, Blue Check Beck. What, what are your you, thoughts, Michael? You know what? I, I'm always uh, down for
1: a good rhyme, so I, I think I like that. It, it's less of a mouthful. Um, all the titles are uh, <laughs> are definitely a, a fun <laughs> one, I'd say, but uh, m- maybe we should go with the... the, the what coach, coach
0: uh, oh coach, i'm already blanking on it coach, <laughs> blue check, check back. back blue <laughs> check back i blanked on it like five minutes after he asked the question anyways okay so maybe we'll do that but we're here with michael beck coach i gotta ask how did last week go last time we talked you had you were coming off of a pretty bad loss you were gearing up hoping to see some improvement in the squad how did you do last week right so we were again unsuccessful but uh saw a little bit of fight from the
1: guys um Thankfully, we got our home opener this year in a brand new stadium uh, up here at Simon Fraser. So we're very excited to uh, to play some action in front of some fans up here for the first time in a very long time. Because, of course, D2 didn't play last year. So i yeah. uh, pretty excited about uh, getting to play in front of some people, uh, in front of some friends and family. And uh, getting to do it at home, it's, uh, it's a pretty exciting, uh, exciting time.
0: Got to get the first W at home. Is it a winnable game? Is it a matchup you're looking forward to? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely looking forward to it. Anytime, uh, this is our first conference game of the year too, and it, it, you know what it's like at any time you're playing. Uh, well, the Steelers are playing it. Say the Bengals last year when they lost. Uh, anything can happen when you're playing those divisional games. So we're, we're excited for the challenge. We
0: got Central Washington
1: coming up here, um. So it's a, it should be a good matchup.
0: I right, you're sounding more and more like Mike Tollin every week. Keep it up. I like it. All right, let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They obviously were victorious in Week One. Um, not many people thought they were going to win. Michael, what was the one aspect of this game that after the Steelers win, which we're all happy about, no one wants to see the Steelers lose, but I think there are some fans that do for really sadistic reasons, but nonetheless, when you saw and when you're like, man, I never saw that happening. And that's what might've led to a win. What was that thing for you in week one?
1: Oh, you, you know what? Playing excellent defense from whistle to whistle. Um, the, the entirety of the game, like you rarely see it in today's NFL, let alone just any specific team, but the way the rules are set up, it's just so everything falls so nicely for the offense to be able to move the ball, but the Steelers defense was dominant for 60 straight minutes. So that's the reason why they won this game. They were able to, uh, to hold that high powered bills offense in check at home, uh, in front of all those crazy bills fans. And they they were able to do that for 60 minutes that honestly, that's the reason why they're successful. If they can
0: figure out a way to do that each and every game, I don't I don't anticipate this team losing a lot of football games. Yeah, no doubt. For me, it was the special teams touchdown. The special mm. teams touchdowns, it's like you can never bank on them. If they happen, sometimes they don't even happen an entire season, let alone the week one game on the road in that fashion. It was such a quick turnaround after the TJ Watts. I think it was a Watts sack, but they sacked Josh Allen. Next thing you know, they're putting uh, seven more points on the board. But let's go ahead and let's look ahead now to the week two matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders come to town coming off of a big overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. They're banged up. But, Michael, I want to ask you a simple question. Think back to week one. Give me a player on offense and a player on defense who might not have played up to the standard. If we're using Mike Tomlin's, the standard is the standard slogan, motto, whatever you want to call it. Give me a player on offense and defense that needs to play better in week two for the Steelers to start the year off 2-0. Well,
1: I think on offense it is not surprising, to say the least, that Chooks and core four needs to have a great game. We saw what Max Crosby did to former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Alville Villanueva, just absolutely uh, ate his lunch all game long. So Chukes needs a big game. He needs to be excellent in pass pro. He needs to be able to drive guys off the ball in the run game. He needs to step up at that right tackle sp- spot that he keeps somehow finding himself falling into but uh, he definitely needs to play better defensively there really isn't too many people to point the finger at i I know jeffrey benedict didn't love joe schobert's game but there's a number of of people out there that say the opposite um it's tough to to point to someone that say they need to play better in that defensive side of the football because how well they did play but I, I'd point at Trell Edmonds and say this guy needs a big week this week because he's going to be getting a healthy dose of Darren Waller who's probably on the greatest stretch of games that a tight end has ever played in the history of the NFL about what eight straight games going over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns so uh slowing that big fella down is going to be key so I'm putting the finger at Trell Edmonds for a guy that needs a big big game.
0: Absolutely. And I saw that in your article that ran on Thursday for on behind the steel Some good. stuff. I think it was field. Yates tweeted that out of ESPN. Uh, incredible work by Waller. Uh, let's talk about him quickly before we get to our game picks. It, how if you're, you're a football guy and you're, you're a collegiate coach, whether you coach the offensive line or not, you clearly know about the game of football. If you were a defensive coach, of any magnitude, how are you schematically trying to take Waller? Not let, let me rephrase. I, I put Waller in with the digs, just like you did with Antonio Brown in his prime. You can't stop him; you just want to slow him down. How are you doing it for the if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive coordinator?
1: So, thankfully, the Raiders have a bunch of injuries that we we briefly touched on. So it, it kind of lets the Steelers play it a little bit uh, a little bit easier in their kind of perspective. Um, depending on what side he lines up on, I would like to have a Devin Bush or Joe Schobert kind of shadow him, uh, just depending on uh, what side he lines up on, depending on the, the linebacker that follows him around. Uh, but then I'd also have a safety over the top, uh, probably Trell Edmonds in this case, to let Mink if it's Fitzpatrick Roman who do his thing. Um, just being able to have uh, to, to bracket coverage him is going to be key. Tackling him before he can uh, get rumbling. Basically, the key of this one here is we know Derek Carr loves throwing the ball at him. He got 19 targets in Week One, which I believe leads the entire NFL for targets. So he's going to get a healthy dose of the ball his way, regardless. Um, and he has a six-seven frame, so he's going to catch the ball. We, we don't have anyone on defense that can uh, cover someone who's six foot seven and run with him down the field. So he's going to catch the ball. The trick is is getting him down the second that ball touches his hands, um, limiting him to less than 10 yards uh, per target. That's that's got to be the game plan. Just don't let him beach over the top, go on long runs. Uh, make make sure to just tackle him when he gets the ball in his hands. And the uh, the most you can knock it out of his hands are better. But uh, just with his frame and how talented he is, you know he's going to get his. So getting him to the ground is the biggest key.
0: Nineteen targets. I, I can't stress how crazy that number is. And and you know on week one the Steelers targeted Deontay Johnson ten times, and some fans were thinking, wow, that's incredible. Nineteen times. That's un believable let's talk about the Steelers receiving options quickly which receiver and there's well let's pass catchers let me throw tight ends into the mix if you were to predict one pass catcher for the Steelers that's going to show out against the Raiders who you got this has got to be the week where uh one of the tight ends
1: kind of has to explode just the way the Raiders defense is kind of set up they have some pretty decent cornerback play but uh, the middle of their defense I Maybe this is the coming out party for Pat youth. I, I think Ben only targeted him one time against the Bills. I, I think this is a game where you should get a healthy dose of the tight ends over the middle. Uh, we know music got uh, the, the greater percentage of snaps at that tight end spot. So I, I would point to the, the big rookie out of Penn State having a big game, but that really comes down to Ben actually throwing him the ball. And it's a conversation Jeffrey Benedict and I had at Know Your Enemy. The Steelers have kind of. Uh, might have a problem with having too many targets because it seems like Ben has to distribute the ball amongst, what, six people, seven people. Um, uh, he, he's, he's got to figure out his guys that are going to get the bulk of the targets. So uh, yeah, I think Pat Farmy uh, really deserves ca- kind of a, a good look and a healthy dose of uh, himself against the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to go with Chase Claypool. I think the Claypool proved, I mean, going up over Tredavious White, uh, that really nice catch on the sideline against the Bills, really opened things up. I think they're going to do that early and often, look for Chase Claypool to have a game. Now let's get to our game picks. I have to recap last week, in case you don't know this. Um, uh, there's, let's here, how many do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight staff members of Behind the Steel Curtain, everyone from the, the blokes down under to Jeffrey Benedict, myself, Brian Davis, Dave Schofield, Shannon White, and blue check back. He, uh, we all put on our weekly picks and you can check those out at behind the still That article runs every Friday afternoon, uh, Eastern time. And week one happened. Here's what it looked like in the first week. Mark Davison was tops. He was uh, he and Maddie Peverell, I think they probably shared passwords or something. 18, 13, and 1, they led our behind-the-steel-curtain staff with their picks, and that is not just the game picks but also uh, over-under. I was third at 15, 16, and 1, and blue-checked back all the way, scraping the bottom of the barrel, 9, 22, <laughs> and 1. So, yowza, that's not very good. Not only for Michael, but in general. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just <laughs> really really bad stuff Not so, gonna rust off <laughs> yeah we could you can call it whatever you want like that's <laughs> <laughs> but we're still looking at picks we're looking at the upcoming week uh we're obviously going to be looking at the weekend slate of games it's going to be really really interesting to see how this week plays out um you ready to do this again oh i'm ready um, all right so let's start off sunday at one o'clock the new orleans saints who are coming off of the unbelievably dominant performance against the green Bay Packers in week one. They're playing the Carolina Panthers, NFC South action. Both teams are one and O oh. the saints are giving three and a half on the road in Carolina. Who do you like in this game?
1: So I got the Saints in this one. Uh, Jameis Winston, I think, opened some eyes uh, after getting his eyes fixed in week one. What, four or five touchdown passes out of Winston? Uh, five, yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't need to do that on a whole lot of targets either. The Saints looked really good. I still think the Panthers have a ton of holes. So I, I
0: like the Saints uh, giving those points. I agree with you. I like the Saints giving three and a half. They look to be a team to beat in that NFC South Carolina's improved with Sam Darnold, but I don't think they're there just yet. Let's go to an AFC North game, uh, or at least a team playing the Cincinnati Bengals shockingly one and know after their overtime win against the Minnesota Vikings in week one, play the Chicago bears, the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in the windy city are getting two and a half points here. The bears lose on Sunday night football to the LA Rams, Michael, how do you see this one playing out?
1: Oh, this one is probably the tougher call of the week. Um, both teams obviously have their warts. I kind of like the Bears at home, though. Um, they only have to give up two and a half points playing at home. Uh, I still need to see more of the Bengals. Uh, I, it's tough to call with the Bears quarterback situation the way it is, but I think Annie Dalton gives them enough. And if Justin Field sees the, the field more, I think that's just more creativity and explosiveness for the Chicago Bears. So I like
0: them giving those two points. Andy Dalton is still the quarterback. I'm taking the other team, the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, getting two and a half. I'll take them to go to two and zero. It will shock a lot of people, but I think that they are a team that's going to be competitive. I said that last week. I'll say it again. The Bengals are not going to be a pushover. If you're thinking that, we're watching different games. Let's go to another AFC North team. The Cleveland Browns have their home opener against the Houston Texans. Cleveland is giving a whopping 12 and a half points here. They look great against Kansas city, even though they weren't able to pull out the win nine point blown lead by the Cleveland Browns in week one Houston. Although they did, I think they did win their first game. They did. Uh, they did. Oh, yeah. Well, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. Can they keep it close? How do you see this one playing out? 12 and a half points is a lot of points. Yeah,
1: that is, uh, that's going to be one of the biggest spreads you see all year long. But uh, the Texans pulling out that fluky win. I, honestly, I, I feel like they got that one out of their system. Now they, can, now they can slide in the spot that they're supposed to be in, kind of what the Jaguars did last year, winning their first game before losing out the rest of the year. The Texans are not a good team uh honestly I, I think that also goes to show uh, what the jaguars are also not a very good team but for this matchup i know 12 and a half points sounds ridiculous but i got a feeling the browns play with a little bit of juice playing in front of their dog pound i cringe even saying that but uh i think the browns just they do enough they uh they get the win and the texans run back to houston with their tail between their legs i like the browns even giving those 12 and a half points
0: I agree. I think I think the Browns blow their the Houston Texans doors off. I don't think it's close. It's probably at least a two score game, if not more. And uh, so I think Cleveland gets their first win of the season and it's in a big fashion. Let's keep it one o'clock on Sunday to L.A. Rams go to the Indianapolis Colts. The Rams are want to know the Colts lost their first game of the season. I believe the L.A. Rams are giving three and a half points. What do you think about this game in Indy?
1: What I say is only three and a half points. Um, the Los Angeles Rams, are, they're kind of a, my, the team I'm crushing on this season. They, they put together a really nice roster. Stafford and that McVay offense just looked absolutely dominant against the Chicago Bears. Um, I, I really like what the Rams are doing. Uh, honestly, the three and a half points, I feel like could be a whole heck of a lot more. I, I think that the Rams win this game handily.
0: Well, technically a six and a half point spread when you think about the three point at home uh right. spread typically given to the home team, but still I agree with you. I like the Rams giving three and a half points in this game. Uh sticking at one, Denver Broncos go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Broncos look pretty good against the New York Giants in week one. Jacksonville, well, they're Jacksonville. Denver's giving six points on the road. How do you who do you like in this one? Teddy Bridgewater or the rookie who's still getting uh Mr. Lawrence down in Jacksonville?
1: You know what, this Broncos team has a great defense. They put together a solid defensive front. Uh, I think Teddy just gives them enough on offense, but the Jaguars are putrid. I feel like Urban Meyer is going to end up running the. To- Southern California for that USC job anyway, I I think the Jaguar season is just going to completely unravel Uh, poor Trevor Lawrence who's never lost football games apparently before making it to the NFL he's going to do a whole heck of a lot of that this year, I like the Broncos giving up those six points, Uh, I also think this game hits the under because I think only one team scoring points in this game I, I do not like the Jags where they're at and where they're going at all.
0: Denver Broncos. I like them as well. Giving six. I think that they're going to make enough plays to at least cover that six point spread. I like the Broncos as well. One o'clock is still one o'clock slate. Buffalo bills. This is going to be a great game and no one's really talking about it. The Buffalo bills go down to Miami. Josh Allen's record against Miami and his stat lines against Miami are very good. Buffalo on the roads, giving three and a half points. Does Tua stand a chance with Miami to pull off the upset, Michael?
1: Oh man, the bills are pretty much already in desperation mode. Um, Teams that start the year 0-2, I, I believe, only make the playoffs about 11% of the time. Um, so I have no confidence right now in Miami being able to beat a very hungry Buffalo Bills team that is in desperate need of a win after that uh, upset loss, as, uh, as one may say to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I, uh, I like Buffalo in this one, even though they're giving up three and a half points. I, I think they go down there and uh, kind of reassert their dominance in the AFC East.
0: I think the Buffalo Bills bounce back after the loss to the Steelers in week one, they're going to come back in a big way. I like, I think Miami is a good team. They're improving. I don't like Tua of that much anymore. I feel like he has regressed as a quarterback and that's a bad thing. I'll take the bills, Josh Allen on the road down in Miami, the new England Patriots, the New York jets, Patriots on the road, Belichick battle of the rookie quarterbacks, whatever you want to call it. The Patriots are giving five and a half here, Michael. Who wins the game?
1: Oh, man, this one is a coin flip. Um, I, I still don't like the Jets roster very much. Uh, the Patriots put together something respectable. Uh, to, to me, this one was more of a pick them. Uh, I, I went with New England. Uh, hopefully that doesn't t- continue my, my losing streak. So for everyone uh, keeping track at home, that, that probably tells you to go with the Jets. But I'm taking New England minus five and a half.
0: I think New England's roster from top to bottom is just better. Um, If Mac Jones can protect the football, I think they win this game at least by a touchdown. So I'm going to take the Patriots on the road, giving five and a half to cover. The San Francisco 49ers go across country to the Philadelphia Eagles. Shockingly, the Philadelphia Eagles are getting three points. The 49ers giving three on the road, Philly coming off of a big win against Atlanta in Week 1, San Francisco holding on against the Detroit Lions. Who, this is a tough game to pick on the NFC side of the, of the brackets. What do you think, Michael? I, I think the
1: Eagles played above their pay grade against a bad Atlanta Falcons team. And I think the 49ers just took their foot off the gas pedal late in that game against the Detroit Lions. So, honestly, I still like the Niners, minus 3.5. I think the Niners have one of those rosters that is a sneaky pick to still make it to a Super Bowl this year. Um, I think the Eagles are still one of those teams that are kind of going to be battling it out for top 10 draft, uh, pick rankings come the end of the year. So I'm going to go with the Niners,
0: even though they're giving uh, three and a half points on the road, going across country one o'clock game. I like the Eagles at home getting three points. Give me that home underdog. I like it. I'll take Philly getting three to win this game. Uh, obviously we'll talk about the Steelers here in a second, uh, but nonetheless, the Minnesota Vikings. Now we go to four Oh five Minnesota Vikings traveled to the Arizona Cardinals. I did not see the Arizona Cardinals doing what they did to the Tennessee Titans in week one. Yet here we are. Kyler Murray, would contributed five touchdowns. Chandler Jones was unstoppable. And meanwhile, the Minnesota Vikings lost in overtime to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. The Car- the Cardinals are giving four and a half points to the Minnesota Vikings at home. That's a small number for me. What do you think about this game, Michael?
1: Yeah, honestly, we know how much uh, pretty much the two guys to talk about most this offseason. J.J. Watt uh, potentially making that uh, trio with the Watt brothers in Pittsburgh and then Zayvon Collins, my draft crush that I talked about in nauseum, Both end up on the Cardinals, so I'm very high on this team because they got the guys I want in the black and gold, but uh, they are definitely a, a team to look out for. Their defense looks really sharp. Their offense is coming together. Uh, I, I think they're dangerous, and I think they're going to – this is gonna be another game where they should uh, they should really beat the barn doors off the Minnesota Vikings.
0: I like the Arizona Cardinals giving those four and a half points. I agree with you. Arizona giving four and a half seems really, really low. I think that this could be a shootout though. I think it could be a high scoring affair, but I'll take the Cardinals giving four and a half Uh, sticking at four Oh five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl defending champions. They host the Atlanta Falcons. Tampa Bay is giving same spread as the Cleveland Browns, 12 and a half points. Atlanta looked absolutely abysmal against Philadelphia week one. Michael, do the Buccaneers not just win, but do they cover that 12 and a half?
1: You know what? I'm going to say they will. This is a Tom Brady-led team. You look back at his time in New England, and even that one year in uh, in Tampa Bay. So far, they cover those spreads. They're not a team uh, when Tom Brady's at the helm to go in and have that trap loss that, like, the, the Steelers uh, have kind of fallen victim to it over the years. Uh, Brady, they they tend to take care of business. They tend to take care of those spreads. Uh, earlier, I said like you rarely get those 12 and a half point spreads in the NFL. Two of them this week, and honestly, I think both of them are covered. The Falcons looked terrible against the team. I don't think it's very good already. So I think the Bucs take care of business here with the uh, giving 12 and a half points.
0: If it were two touchdown spread, I'd shade towards Atlanta, but it's not. It's 12 and a half. I'll take the Buccaneers at home to hold serve, even covering that spread. At 425, the Dallas Cowboys go to L.A. to play the Chargers. The L.A. Chargers are giving three and a half points. A very curious line, in my opinion. The Chargers are an improving team. The Cowboys surprised a lot of people in that Thursday night opener against Tampa Bay. This is a tough pick. Michael, how do you see this one shaking out?
1: So the Chargers are another one of those teams. Whatever it is about the LA teams, I'm a a big fan of what they're kind of putting on paper here. I think the Chargers, honestly, all along are going to be a team that pushes the Chiefs at the top of the AFC West. Definitely not, not going to sur- su- supplant them at the top of those, uh, those power ranking charts. But I think the Chargers are a sneaky, very good team. They put together a good defense. They have solid talent on offense. I like them with those three and a half points over the Dallas Cowboys, who I, I think shockingly follow 0-2 and uh, all that Cowboys nation kind of uh, decrees uh, how they feel year in and year out about to starting off slow. It just seems to be the Cowboys way in recent years. So I like the Chargers coming out of this game, the victors giving those three and a half
0: points. This is a game that that hook, that half point really got me. I I was wondering, you know, I think this is going to be a really close football game. It might come down to a field goal. But for some reason, I think the Chargers are going to find a way to at least win by four. I've got the Chargers holding serve at home. They don't play in a college stadium anymore where no one comes. Maybe they can get some juice with there's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans there. But I think the Chargers and Justin Herbert find a way to win the game. Still at 425, the Tennessee Titans, who still have their tail in between their legs after the week one whooping by the Cardinals. They go to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks won their first game of the season. And the Seattle Seahawks are giving five and a half points here to the visiting Tennessee Titans. Uh, Michael, this is a weird game because you can't expect Tennessee to be that bad. But how good is Seattle? We'll see. What do you think about this one?
1: Well, Honestly, despite being a Pacific Northwest guy, I think the Seahawks are one of the more overrated teams in the league this year. They got Russ. They got their win, but I don't love their roster. I don't really love how it's been put together. The Titans, obviously, they got to bounce back from a game like that against Arizona, of course. uh, what, going back on the road on the West Coast, I, that's the five and a half points, I feel like if it was three and a half, I'd probably lean Seattle's way. But five and a half, I, I'm taking the Titans uh, with the extra five and a half points. I like the Titans in this one. They got to give a little bit more. Derrick Henry's got to get going. Julio Jones got absolutely torn apart by Mike Frable. I expect him to have a bounce back game. I just think the Titans have a, a better week this week after getting ripped apart by one of the best young coaches there in football. So give me the Titans plus five and a half.
0: I will say take the Seahawks giving five and a half. They're tough to win. It's their home game. We know the 12th man will be there and we'll be strong. They'll be loud. They haven't had, a, that's going to be a raucous crowd. Tennessee could be staring at 0-2 straight in the face. It might be close, uh, but I like the Seahawks giving five and a half. Let's go to Sunday Night Football. Pittsburgh Steelers fans are going to be watching this one for a lot of reasons. The Kansas City Chiefs go to the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. Kansas City is giving three and a half on the road. I thought it would be more, but it's not. Kansas City looked rather mundane at times against Cleveland in week one. Baltimore held held their own against the Raiders and then just literally gave the game away. Michael, how do you think this one shakes out on Sunday Night Football?
1: I mean, the two teams in terrible injury luck right now are the uh, Baltimore Ravens, and the Oakland Raiders, uh, obviously, two of these matchups, definitely going to be helping the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in terms of uh, those those rankings uh, after this weekend. But uh, the Raiders are beat up. Ronnie Staley is going to be out for multiple weeks. Villanueva is moving back to left tackle, someone I haven't even heard of before starting at right tackle. The, all the running backs, the no-name running backs, the Ravens. Honestly, everything's just going in the wrong direction for Baltimore. It, they're my pick to be a team that uh, shocks everyone by not making the playoffs this year before the injury problems but the injuries are just running rampant over this team. I, I think Baltimore, uh, the fact it's only three and a half points is honestly laughable. Uh, that's the one, the one game of the week where I, I feel like if you're uh, someone who's a, an avid sports better, I'd I put a lot of money down on Kansas City uh, covering that spread and covering it by a very wide margin. Last point on this, too, is Lamar Jackson usually plays pretty poorly against the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe his uh, career
0: QBR against the Chiefs is something like 47, not good. No, not good at all. And so the Kansas city chiefs giving like is, this spread could obviously change since this has been recorded, but at the time of this being recorded, Kansas city is giving three and a half take Kansas city giving three and a half. If Baltimore, if, if Baltimore keeps it close, they deserve it, but I don't think they do. And let's finish things up Monday night, eight 15. Oh, this is a dud. Detroit lions. Go to the green Bay Packers. <laughs> uh, Detroit is getting 11 points here. Green Bay looked horrible. Jordan love saw action. That was that bad against the saints in week one for the Packers. What do you think about this NFC North matchup?
1: The Packers aren't going to change their problems in one week. There is some deep-seated stuff going on there. I think this could be a really rough year for the Packers. And Detroit punched above their weight last weekend. Honestly, I think any Dan Campbell-led team plays better than what they show on paper. Uh, he showed that when he was interim guy in Miami. Uh, he got his guys uh, playing really well for him when he was in New Orleans. I, I think he is just that coach that just gets his guys up for games. It's 11 points. The Packers look horrible. Uh, I think this NFC North, thankfully, that's the division the Steelers play this year. But honestly, I, I do not like any of these teams. But uh, Detroit with 11 points, uh, I, I thought they were going to be the team that loses every game this year. But that coaching staff has got them going. Give me Detroit with those plus 11 points.
0: Yeah, Detroit's not winning this game straight up, but I do think they, they stay, keep it close enough that they cover. So I'll take the Detroit Lions getting 11. Let's go to the game everyone cares about, the Las Vegas Raiders going to Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field, the Steelers' home opener. Right now, the line is that the Steelers are giving five-and-a-half points at home. I've seen that line stretch all the way to six-and-a-half. Let's just stick with the five-and-a-half because that's what it is right now in front of me. Michael, how do you see this game playing out, and what's your score prediction?
1: All right, for this game specifically, we have – to keep in mind the Oakland Raiders are a team that is very banged up after that game against the Baltimore Ravens. That game was on a Monday night, and they played five full quarters. That overtime pretty much went the entire distance. They are coming off an emotional victory. They're going across country. Honestly, all these factors are weighing so heavily against the Raiders going into a, an environment that's going to be juiced up. The first time the Steelers have had uh, playing in front of fans in Heinz Field since 2019. Honestly, I, I really, really, really like the Steelers in this game. Uh, they also historically play very well in those home openers. Um, I kind of foresee this. Uh, if you remember that game the Steelers played against the Cleveland Browns in their home opener, I believe it was 2017 when Antonio Brown punted uh, the Browns punter in the head at, en route to I think it was like a 35-3 to 3 victory Honestly, I'm seeing something along those lines. My score prediction is the Steelers 31, the Raiders 10. They just pull ahead, and the Raiders can never catch up throughout this game. Uh, I I really love the Steelers in this matchup. I I think everything is just falling in their favor. So give me the Steelers. Give me those points. Uh, I really like the Steelers in this one.
0: I hope you're right. I really do. I I definitely think this is going to be a closer contest. I talked about that on my Let's Ride podcast on Wednesday about how I think this is going to be a tough test for the Steelers in a lot of ways. Darren Waller being one of those and something I talked about in the first segment of this podcast about what the Steelers need to do to win. It's going to have to take Pressure on Derek Carr. The Steelers offensive line is going to have to keep Ben upright, open some holes for Najee Harris. I think the Steelers, this is going to be a close game, but that five and a half point spread, I think they do cover it. It's going to be within one score. I have the Steelers winning this game 27 to 20. Well, Low scoring affair. Believe it or not, the over-under is 47, so that would be a push at my score of 27 to 20. But I like the Steelers to win, move to 2 and cover that five and a half point spread. It's going to be fun. I, I definitely am looking forward to this contest. Uh, Michael, final thoughts on the game coming up that you want Steeler fans to know about.
1: Um, well, I think when the Steelers defense is on the field, people are going to watch those edge rushers regardless. That's just how the cameras are kind of trained, but TJ Watt on Alex Leatherwood, who boy, that is a matchup. I'm excited to watch. Leatherwood is not good in that pass pro. And he looked very bad against old man, Justin Houston and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, if the Raiders uh, shift some help to the outside, look for Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith to have ridiculous games. I, I think the Steelers' front seven is going to have one of those games that we are talking about on Monday. The, the front seven, is, a, is that's the group to watch, and I think they're going to have an outstanding game against the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: All right, man. Good stuff. I appreciate it as always. Make sure you check out Michael on Twitter at Michael Beck 56. You can check out his live Mike podcast every Tuesday morning, as well as his know your enemy podcast on Wednesdays. Michael, thanks for joining me. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk next Friday.
1: Thanks Jeff. My pleasure as always.
0: All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, big thanks to Michael Beck for joining me as he always does every Friday. We went through all those games. I enjoy talking about the NFL, uh, Taking our you know getting our game picks out there is a lot of fun. Obviously, our our predictions are different for the Steelers and Raiders, but hopefully, they both come true and the Steelers win a game. All right, heart to heart. This is a story I put on my Twitter feed. If you follow me on Twitter at jhartman h a r t m a n underscore p i t, and it's about a good friend of mine. And I just want to share it. I feel like it's it it deserves me to bring this up in, in on my podcast. Uh, so when I took over behind the steel curtain, th- there were a lot of writers that exited when Neil Koolong left. Uh, I hadn't even been given an opportunity to show what I want to do and how I want to handle the position. And they just up and left. They're like, nope, don't want to be a part of this. They don't want to be a part of the new regime. They didn't even know what I was going to do, but they left. But there are a few writers that stayed, like Tony Defio stayed. He's still on the staff. Another one was a good friend of mine, Chris Carter. Chris Carter did film rooms. Uh, he was a young writer, just trying to get some experience. Wasn't even paid, I believe, when he first came on board. And quickly, I brought him into the paid staff realm, and we worked together on everything articles, projects, management of the site, um, as well as, I mean, hundreds of podcasts. And he's a great guy, became a great friend of mine. And it's just crazy how, with him and his locked on podcast and, and going over to DK Pittsburgh Sports, he's created a name for himself. And I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, it, this is something I said to my students the other day. Uh, I said that too often people are afraid to say they're proud of somebody. I'm not sure why, but I'm super proud of Chris Carter. Chris Carter has made a name for himself, and I say that in the purest sense of the word. He has come from the bottom and has made it all the way to asking Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin questions during press conferences. That's something that Chris and I used to talk about on podcasts. After we went off the air, we would stay on and talk on the phone. And uh, he would say, man, I would just love to be able to ask these guys some questions. And Chris, I, I hear his voice, and I'm like, "Gary he is. It kind of makes me feel like I made it too. You know, it's kind of like we always talked about this dream. One day we're going to do this. One day we're going to do that. He's actually living the dream. I can't be happier. There's not a nicer guy for it to happen to. So if you don't follow Chris Carter, do that. And honestly, his Locked on Steelers podcast is the only podcast outside of the BTSC podcast family that I would recommend to Steeler fans. The only one. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. I have him on the show again. I have to now. So all right, folks, that's it. That's my heart to heart. Tell people you're proud of them if you know them. There's a good tip. And listen, we're going to be back on Sunday after the game. Myself, Dave Schofield, Brian Anthony Davis, to talk about the Steelers game against the Raiders. Did they win? Did they lose? How did they look? Well, we're going to give out grades. We'll do all that on Sunday, so make sure you join us. And I'll be back on Monday with winners and losers. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Go Steelers.